Hello and welcome to the third episode of Business Unmuted, a new regular feature on the North East and Yorkshire Business Network on LinkedIn, as well as on YouTube and available as a downloadable podcast. After almost a year of video conferencing and working remotely, it is time for businesses to be unmuted. On today's episode, we're looking ahead to the budget on the 3rd of March. The Chancellor will have the unenviable task of delivering a budget that balances the financial pressures that the pandemic has caused to businesses and individuals with the need to address a record deficit of a forecast £394 billion for the financial year to March 2021. Now, here are a few things that the Chancellor faces. Let's have a quick look. The borrowing we've just discussed, but there it is in graph form. Look, from April last year to March, the scale and the size of that graph going up and the size of the borrowing. The public sector debt is enormous. The total public sector debt now is over £2 trillion. That's more than 100% of GDP. And what about the interest on that debt? The interest on that debt in this year's budget, is likely to be £50 billion. And then there's government expenditure itself, which is hitting £928 billion. But what about the taxes needed to pay for that? Look at the tax receipts that came in in December 2020. They were £1.4 billion less than the tax receipts that came in in December 2019. And the GDP of our country? Well, there's the graph from the last year, and the last few years, rather. You can see the GDP steadily increasing, and then it falls off a cliff at the first lockdown. And everyone hopes for this V-shaped recovery. It recovers a little bit, and then it's going down again as we enter this third lockdown. So what are the chances of further spending? The job retention scheme itself is already estimated at costing £46 billion. The Chancellor could do all sorts of things. I've got three guests to discuss it. An economist... (coughs) an accountant and an entrepreneur. James Spruill is the chief economist at Handelsbanken. Nicola Bellaby is tax partner at Clive Owen LLP. And Ian Watson is the chairman of luxury care home operator Hadrian Healthcare and a leading commercial property investor too through the banner of the MCM Group. Uh, Gents, let's talk to you first. James, as well as being a chief economist at Handelsbank, you were once a Downing Street advisor. I bet you would never have had this kind of uh, landscape to deal with. The the Bank of England is extremely fond of telling us that this is the worst recession we've seen in 300 years. And I actually think that the better example is at the end of the First World War, when the government withdrew an enormous amount of spending in the economy, and we had a pandemic. um, And that was um, really a very, very bad period of time. But the good news is that the Years after that, that we got through that 1920, 21, 22, were pretty good. So uh, if we can get through this, we can look forward to, one hopes, a pretty good rest of the decade. So you're very hopeful, I suppose, that Andy Haldane, the, the, the Bank of England's chief economist, is right when he talks about this pent-up demand that could be liberated as lockdown ends. I think that's right. And, and a couple of reasons for that. Uh, and the big one that, that, that Andy Haldane looks at is um, how much forced savings there's been across the economy as a whole. And there's really two groups that have been done a lot of forced savings. First of all, there's there's the people in the country um, and then there's businesses. And together, they've, they've saved over 120 billion pounds. And if we put that money into the economy over the, the course of the latter, latter half of this year, uh, obviously, we've got Midsummer's Day to look forward to when we all become free to, to roam the country once again. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people are going to go out and celebrate a bit with their friends, which is 
long overdue, uh, and that's going to pump up a lot of the economy. Now, what we've seen so far is that the pain in the economy has really been concentrated in a pretty small number of sectors. Uh, That's particularly hotels, restaurants, arts venues, sporting venues, things like that. Well, those are the ones that are clearly going to get a big splurge this summer. And so I expect, um, for instance, unemployment to to rise steadily really through through that period of time. But pretty quickly, those businesses are going to realize there's a lot of demand out there and they're going to rehire. So that's going to give the business the, the, the consumer's confidence. And then we're going to get consumer spending. And the other thing that's happening, of course, is business investing. And we're going to see a lot of business investing in the latter half of this year. And it's really that's driven by two things. First of all, there was a lot of business uncertainty in the last few years, of course, as a result of Brexit. And was there going to be a deal? Was there not? Well, we have a deal. Um, it's not perfect. Nothing in life is, is ever perfect. But uh, there is um, a, a good relationship uh, to, to move forward from that. And secondly, business needs a bit of time because all of us have changed the way that we spend and we, we relate to, to, to consumers and, and uh, as businesses. So business needs to figure that out where to put that investment. And I think that's why it's going to not come in, in a big rush uh, in this summer, but it's going to take place over really a year or more starting in this summer. But that gives us a nice long boost over that period of time. So I expect business investment to be pretty good latter half of 2021 and into 2022. Okay, and that that really is a positive picture. Um, I'm going to ask you a little bit later about the tax and spending element of that. But the, mm. the, from the point of view of the economy, you're pretty uh, pretty upbeat. Let's talk to Ian Watson. Now, Ian, you're involved in all sorts of businesses, and including investing in commercial property, I might add. Do you have a similar rosy outlook for when this lockdown unwinds? Uh, I think that depends where you are in your own business cycle. I think it very much depends upon what sector you're in. Um, at the moment, the way I see it for business, there are two main areas, two, two main fiscal levers that the Chancellor will have, um, corporation tax and capital gains tax. Um, and I think one's quite straightforward, and I think the other one is is quite a hot potato at the moment. Um, I think corporation tax, I mean, we've seen corporation tax come down gradually in the last 10 years. Uh, we've seen it come down from 28% to 19%. Uh, the government indicated their intention to take it down to 17%. Um, we know that's not going to happen. The next move for corporation tax is coming up. And I would expect perhaps 1% increase in this budget perhaps an indication of further increases going forward. But I don't really think from the point of view of a business, that's a necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think from the Chancellor's point of view, I don't think it's going to raise very much money because we have such a huge drop in corporate earnings in the past 12 months. Mm. I think where the, where the real... Um, possible change to the business tax environment could be is capital gains tax. Um, You know, our our capital gains tax in this country is incredibly attractive. Until fairly recently, if a business was selling, a trading business was selling, then the first £10 million was taxed at 10% and the remainder at 20%. Now, that's a very attractive tax. And it's there for a reason, because it's there to encourage entrepreneurism, it's there to to encourage investment. And certainly from my point of view, it's worked. In the last 15 years, that's exactly what we've done. Um, 
some some you, some you were definitely in the right place at the right time, weren't you? Yeah, in the benign yeah, yeah, tax yeah, no, environment selling your businesses. It, it did, it worked. I think some people are calling for this 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 very uh, lucrative tax uh, to come to an end. And 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 at one extreme, people are saying that perhaps it should be uh, linked with uh, an individual's marginal income tax rate, 45%. Um, I think if that did happen, I think it's unlikely to happen. It would be very counterintuitive for a Conservative government to do that. But if it did happen, it would be a disaster for investment. I think it would be a disaster for entrepreneurial investment. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see an end to the entrepreneurial relief, the £1 million being taxed at 10%. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see the 20% moving up by 1% or 2% or an indication of it moving up in the future. Uh, I just hope that the Chancellor doesn't uh, doesn't listen to those who are suggesting some parity with income tax rates. OK, let's talk to tax uh, expert Nicola Bellaby from Clive Owen LLP. Uh, I, I think uh, Ian obviously explained the principle of the uh, taxes, right? I think he got his thresholds correct as well, didn't he, Nicola? He did, yeah. Um, what other taxes do you think there are a possibility at, of going at this spring? We'll talk to James about the likelihood of taxation, but if he needed and decided to tax this spring, where, where else could he go? Well, the, the biggest areas he could go is, is income tax, perhaps um, not to increase the personal allowance from 12,500 to £12,570. It doesn't sound like a big increase, but when you think it's everybody in the country, mm. the Conservative government in the past have said we're all in this together, they could just keep those um, bans where they are, not increase the higher rate tax band at £50,000. That's supposed to be going up to 50270 That would be quite easy to do. Um, of course, he, he did say he wouldn't increase the rates of tax, and that was in the Conservative manifesto, but he didn't say he wouldn't change the bans at the point that rates apply. So that yeah. point can be done, can't it? Yes, and he said he said in this budget there's going to be no horror show of tax rises. And, and you know, I agree with Ian, the capital gains tax is something that, that could really change that, what used to be called entrepreneurs' relief, the business has a disposal relief speaking about, could easily... Um, be, disappear or it could be, change from a two-year holding period to a five-year holding period there's lots of little tweaks that can come in there um, um, corporation tax as we said it's one of the lowest rates in, in Europe so that could um, get very easily pushed up to 20% seems unlikely that it look at VAT but that is possible because um, that again brings in a lot of of tax to the economy. Okay, and what about that final point with you, Nicola? What about playing around with pensions for the higher rate taxpayers? Uh, people put money into pensions, but he's probably done a lot of that, hasn't he? He's done some of it, but he could he could do more with that. He could he could reduce those bands. Um, that that has been talked about for years, um, reducing the, the higher rate tax relief on that, but. He, he actually made that more generous last year. He had to because of, of the medical profession. So it, it would be an easy attack. But again, it's not something that's going to raise a lot of money. And we know there's some deep holes to fill here. OK, let's go back to James Sproul, because it, taking the uh, the stuff that uh, Ian and Nicola have talked about in context, that they are the things that have been discussed in the media. 
But as Nicholas says, they don't raise a lot of money. They don't crack this problem that I outlined at the beginning of the video, do they, James? No, that's absolutely right. I mean, one of the big things we've got, we have to look and say to ourselves, this is a once in a generation problem that we're facing. And therefore, we're not going to solve this problem in the next parliament. Remember, even when George Osborne came into number 11, his plan was to solve the, the problems, uh, fiscal problems created by the global financial crisis in one parliament. It took two and a half parliaments really to get it back. So these are not quick solutions. And I, I think we should, at the very outset, be saying that. I also think it's it's really depressing in, in some ways in the way in which so many tax rises are being discussed because we already had record levels of tax uh, rates, tax revenues at the end of 2019. As you point out, they fell in 2020. But I think economists will long look at the year 2020 as being an anomaly and nothing should be taken out of 2020 as being uh, normal or whatever. But we, we had a lot of tax and we're still very heavily taxed. So the question now is between a very heavy tax burden and an enormous amount of spending, much of which was extremely necessary, we have to find a way through. And fortunately, there is a way through. And that way through is really to continue to borrow now. I think the Chancellor is absolutely focused on making sure we can grow the economy. And a lot of people are whispering in his ear various things. Certainly, I would be whispering, um, this is not the time to start taxing and stalling a careful, fragile recovery that we're going to be having, hopefully, um, starting really as, as the, the lockdown starts to come off over the course of the spring and the summer. Um, and I think already the Treasury is talking about having a secondary budget sort of towards the end of November, the normal time. And that might be the time where they look at how much have we grown? Where, where, has the economy come back? Is it 90% of where it was? Is it 95% of what it was? Is it 100% of what it was? And there, therefore, from that position, we can make some longer-term decisions. And they're clearly also looking at the whole issue of the leveling up agenda, which is very, very important to the government. And um, they want to be able to put that targeted support where it's going to make the most uh, difference. And so I'm, I'm absolutely certain what the government's going to be doing is, even in this budget, there will be a cutting back of some of the spending, but it's going to continue on where it's needed. Um, there's parts of the market where it's frankly not needed. So, for instance, um, I would look at uh, the housing market as being an area which has performed really far better than anybody thought it was going to through the pandemic. And yet we've given a, a big break in the form of um, uh, vacation on stamp duty. Well, you know, may, that may be extended slightly, but it's not going to be extended for a particularly long period of time because frankly, the market doesn't seem to need it at the moment. So um, uh, I think that the, the Chancellor's got a very, very narrow path to tread, but he's a pretty smart guy. And I think he's certainly going to try and tread that line um, and borrow for the longer term. And we'll come back to it this autumn. Well, by fortune, we've got someone involved in housing on the line, which is Ian Watson, because one of his ventures is Greenway Homes. And you were nodding your head agreeing with James there, uh, Ian. Do you think that probably the uh, the stamp duty holiday can come to an end now and there's no need for that? I think the stamp duty holiday, in my view, will come to an end. Um, I'd be interested to see what James thinks um, about the how you see, we look at the housing market at the moment and we see almost a, a disconnect between the demand the very high levels of demand in the housing market and the rest of the economy um i mean we know we're going through a unique period in the pandemic but it doesn't really seem to be denting the optimism of the consumer to go out and make the largest purchase that they'll ever make I mean, clearly, low interest rates are, 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 are feeding some of that. Um, but the housing market, as we see it, is incredibly buoyant, incredibly buoyant, and buoyant at all levels. Um, 
even and you wouldn't levels. feel picked on if the chancellor withdrew his, his incentive no i don't think so no i think i think the I, I think i think there may may even be some concern about how how buoyant the housing market is i mean we're seeing we're seeing gazumping at the moment hmm. yeah no return to gazumping doesn't help anyone does it let's yeah. ask uh, uh, let's ask uh, uh, what what you think of that uh, james you were talking about investing and using these low interest rates as a a way to invest I suppose if you want to build infrastructure in Teesside, where we are, we want to. Uh, I'm on the board of a development corporation that needs a lot of money to get the roads built and so on. Uh, if you want to build infrastructure like HS2, that's expensive. Is that a better bet at these low interest rates for the Chancellor than a stimulus stimulus to the housing market? That's where you were. Yeah, I think that probably probably is. Um, I think there's infrastructure, infrastructure. Clearly, uh, some can give fantastic returns on investment. And um, simply labeling something that you like infrastructure uh, in order to try and get it funded, if the case doesn't stack up, it's not going to stack up once it's built either. Mm -hmm. um, I would cast some doubt on um, the wisdom of HS2 really meeting some of its financial forecasts. But if we, for instance, were to look at uh, rolling out broadband across the country, or we were to look at some of the things that um, you're looking at in your own area up there in Teesside, um, I'm sure there's some really, really great projects which would help with both leveling up and um, business investment and help with prosperity across the country as a whole. So I don't think we can say, you know, government investment is good. Uh, it can be good, um, but it can also waste money, um, much like any investment. The, the only difference between a corporate investment and the government investment is if a corporation invests and wastes money, they pay for it. And if the government does it, we pay for it. I suppose if the government invests in projects that enable corporations to invest, that's double bubble, isn't it? It's, 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 if, if you can find those things, that's great. Ian, the low interest rate environment that we're in, is it causing you to, to look at your investments and accelerate any? Well, we, we, we are investing heavily and we continue to invest heavily. Um, uh, we're very optimistic about the future. Um, I mean, we're very optimistic about the housing market, but we're also very careful. Uh, I think you have to be very, very careful at the moment not to... Um, over gear let's not take too much debt that's that's very attractive uh but i think when we've lived long enough we've been there before and we we can see the consequences of of uh, of, of, of of that situation changing um but no i mean generally generally um i mean we've been through the economy's been closed for 12 months and we still have unemployment at five percent yeah uh, which i think james would probably suggest is close to full employment um so I think one of the concerns that business has going forward, because we haven't really talked about Brexit, and I think it's not just employment, it's the lack of skills potentially. You know, as the hospitality industry reopens, how many of the hospitality staff have left the country? Mm. How many of those staff can't come back because of Brexit? Healthcare, as we know, has got serious employment issues. The NHS have currently over 100,000 vacancies. Social care has an employment issue. So I think possibly we could end up with some, some real challenges in, in, in the skills and, and um, available employees. Ian, that was a good point well made. I'm going to quickly change the subject for the last point in our discussion. Uh, James, if I can draw you into this one. What do you think are the prospects for an increase in inflation... I noticed that uh, here we are in February and we noticed the latest uh, wages 
increase was nearly 5% when it was announced today by the official government statistics. And I noticed that although it's from a very small level, the latest inflation figure nudged up a bit. Do you think that inflation is a hidden danger or is it an opportunity for the government to inflate its its way out of the debt? Um, I'm glad you brought this up because uh, if I have to point to a thing in my rosy picture, which I, I said earlier, uh, which I'm really nervous about, it's this. And um, I look at the inflation figures. I look at the, the stock of money creation that's happened here in the UK. Uh, the, the Eurozone has done the same thing. Federal Reserve in the US has done the same thing. Bank of Japan is in the same position. They've all created absolutely astronomical sums of money. And so far, that's not been inflationary. And uh, the, the thought is that we can do this more or less uh, without any penalty. And I don't think that's, in fact, correct. So I am very nervous about longer-term inflation. So the Bank of England's most recent monetary policy report saw inflation going from where it is right now, um, really over the course of the next 12 months, up to about 2%, which is its target level, uh, and then continuing on at 2% for the next three years of its um, uh, forecast period. Uh, that would be lovely if it happens, um, and it might happen, but I don't think it's all that likely because economic for, um, indicators never really travel horizontally in a, in a nice benign way, or it's very rare for them to do so. So um, I am I'm nervous about that inflation. I'm nervous about if we have had too much scarring in the economy and the money comes flowing in and there's not a place to be spent so that the prices go up. I'm worried that there'll be some sort of triggering event. We can look at bond yields across the, the, the world and um, you see some people able to borrow at ludicrously low levels. And you have to think, this does not reflect the underlying risk that that mm. bond, that that government or that corporation actually represents to the investors. And at some point, that corrects. And when it corrects, it's going to be painful for many people. And a bit like Ian was saying, you know, that is a time when you do not wish to be overlevered. Mm. Um, and whether you're a government or an individual business or an individual, to be highly levered at that, that stage is going to be problematic. Uh, even if inflation is theoretically going to, to help you, I think sometimes governments think that inflation helps them. I don't think it does, because businesses are much more reluctant to invest. And if you look at a which would you rather have, a, a, a bit of an erosion of the enormous pile of debt that you may have run up or a um, significant drawback, drawdown in the amount of investment that business is making in your economy to make yourself prosperous? I would suggest that between these two, it's much better to have low inflation with business investing than higher inflation, which might erode your debt pile, but your businesses are all pulling in their horns and saying, I, I can't invest in today's market. I'm going to leave it there. And I'm going to thank all three of our contributors to this Business Unmuted special, having a quick look at the forthcoming budget. Thank you, James Sproul, Ian Watson and Nicola Bellaby.